Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wyland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of organizations like LL Research, Circle R, and others. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who articulate a philosophy of spiritual evolution. If you would like an audio version of the transcripts, please subscribe to Ryan's other podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms and with brand new episodes coming out. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes, and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Ryan, like I said, I'm so glad to see new episodes of Living Love and Light coming out. How are you doing? I can't imagine it's that bad. (laughs) Yeah, hello. It's nice to be back. I took three months off on accident, (laughs) so... That can happen from time to time. Uh, it can. It can. And it's interesting how um, how being in the habit of something enables the continuation of that habit, just the rhythm of it. Yeah. And um, work got busy, and I fell out of that rhythm, and it was it was challenging to get back into it because the more you know, I just kept focusing on the stuff at work and early mornings and late nights, and, and then of course there's family time, you know, so. Uh, but once you recommit and be like, I got to get this, I've got 10 more years in front of me of doing this <laughs> because there's so many trades. I better start or I better get going, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, just time to, you know, bite the bullet and get in an hour here and an hour there and, you know, try to start getting them out again. So definitely glad to be back though. Yeah. There, and, and it's a great time to be, uh, checking in with the Confederation. Uh, some of these 80s, Hatans uh, and Latwees are my favorite conscious channeling that LL has done. So I'm mm-hmm. really excited. Um, and, you know, I, I know what you mean about falling out of a habit, a routine, and then having to get yourself back into it. You know, it's, it's, this is what discipline is. You know, like I've said before, Pima Chodron says discipline isn't making yourself do stuff and just hanging on for dear life to a routine. It's about knowing that you're going to fall out of the routine and bringing yourself gently back to it. So congratulations mm-hmm. for bringing yourself back to it. Cause I know that that's hard. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, for my part, I've been, uh, very busy over the last two months uh, took a vacation to uh, Germany and Europe with my wife, did a five-day hiking mm. trip that was awesome, visited with my old host family from my uh, exchange student years uh, back in 95 and 96. So it's so great to be in touch with these people still. Uh, they made a big difference in my life. Um, was uh, best man in a wedding. Uh, and uh, I guess the thing that most people would care about the most we had our third channeling intensive in which we uh, were able to bring through 10 new Kuo transcripts. So that's published. Nice. It's published at High Altitude Receiving Center. And uh, I would, uh, if that's something you're interested in, go check it out and uh, let me know what you think. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's yep. fantastic. So I don't want to spend too much time on that stuff, but. Uh, Let's ju- let's go ahead and just dive right in to yeah. So what are we 
Which one? What are we reviewing today? Today, it's going to be a transcript from February 5th, 2011. I am at the very end of Carla's channeling archive. Um, there's only two more months to go before it's her mm. last transcript, at least in the archive. So yeah. uh, I'm getting really close. And this one stood out to me because it's on a topic that we haven't really discussed too much. We haven't put, mm-hmm. we haven't really uh, talked about pride much. And pride, uh, especially spiritual pride, is something that often comes up for seekers, especially wanderers. Um, how do you have self confidence without appraising <laughs> your confidence in yourself so highly that that you become arrogant, right? And you sure. And you sure. ignore it. The, the thing about uh, overweening self confidence, too much pride, is that it can often uh, take your focus away from the catalysis in your life, the things that are showing you your rough edges, the things that need to be smoothed. Uh, you can instead just have perfect confidence in yourself and move forward through life with no problems. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. else is the problem. So I. Sure. So given that we haven't really talked about this before, I wanted to uh I wanted to take this opportunity to do so. <laughs> and this yeah. this this transcript does a great job. Let me go ahead and read the first the Jim's question uh that contextualizes the session. So he says the question this evening has to do with self-confidence. Could you give us some information, Kuo, on how we can enhance or strengthen our self-confidence without becoming overly prideful? And then could you relate the self-confidence that we use in our daily activities to the faith that is really the basis for our metaphysical journeys? Mm. Now, uh, you want to jump right into this and just read through? Yeah, let's do it. Let's, yeah, I have some notes in. that I'm going to try. I, I would like to, we have limited time here, uh, listeners, so I'm going to try and jump around a little bit more than I normally do when I just read through things, because there's a lot of information in here. Um, so jumping mm-hmm. past all of the expository stuff, Kuo says, perhaps the beginning of self-confidence is to know that there is only one of you in all of creation. You have developed the soul stream of which you as a personality are a part through many incarnations. Your gifts and your challenges are unique. Your responses to them are, u- are equally unique. And as each of you is a part of the creative principle, you are the creator of your universe, the environment in which you think and live the environment in which you act. You have colored your vibration and your frequency with the colors of your personality. Some of you flash. Some of you are more quiet. Yet in each case, we see the core, the essence. And we see that you have given yourself every possible encouragement to seek the truth. This is an unusually active group of seekers, and we are privileged to be among you. Know that you are vitally important. Perhaps this is the very beginning of self-confidence, to know that you are necessary. As we have said, there is only one of you. So it is in your hands, in your mind, in your thoughts, in your intentions, your hopes and dreams, that the creator has a conduit into your outer manifestation of reality, so-called. All right. I think that's a good place to cut it. Um, Any thoughts on that, Ryan? Hmm. No, but just the... I don't know what the right word is, but that first paragraph comes off to me as hmm, almost like a a parent telling their child, it's okay, 
you're you're unique. You're special. It almost it almost seems like you're what is the word? It's not condescending. That has the wrong connotation. Um but that's how it comes off when I first read that. I'm like, "Oh, that, <laughs> that's that's funny. That's how I took it." It's like, "You're special." You know, there's only one of you, like a kindergarten teacher talking to the kindergartner, like you, you know, you are loved and it's um, very smiley and, uh, but very thin. <laughs> that is honestly what my first take was in reading that um, when I read this paragraph. Damn dog. <laughs> That's what it was. It's funny because uh, one of the one of the things that I've been dealing with in my personality is that I do have, especially when it comes to politics, and this is something that uh, Steve Tyman in our uh, uh, channeling circle, I spent uh, two days at his lovely home in Estes Park, Colorado, uh, with him and his wife, Sarah. Sarah is a philosopher as well, and we had a lot of long conversations where it was exposed to me how cynical a lot of my thinking about politics is. And so I, I, I just want to say, like, it's interesting to look at somebody else show cynicism, and I understand why. <laughs> I understand why. We were all – we were of the generation that all got trophies, you know, for, for, for <laughs> participating in field day, right? Like, Well, when I, when I read this and I and – I, I've read enough of these to know or to have an opinion on the source, so to speak, you know. But if I were to take this out of context and just put – just copy and paste this paragraph and put it and share it, it you know, it would uh, – that's what it would come off to me like. <laughs> so – but I had a – I remember thinking that last night like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> oh, this is cute. <laughs> well, but, I, th I think it's important that – People understand – see, to you, it seems like it's, I guess, smarmy and, oh, you're so great. You're so wonderful. You're Nobody's like you. You're the most special boy in the whole world. To me, what it's saying is you have a responsibility. In fact, uh, uh, this, this is uh, explicated a little bit more and expanded upon in the next paragraph. I'm just going to go ahead mm -hmm. and read it. Uh, yeah. Kuo says, you shine a light no one else can because of the colors of your personality, because of your challenges and your gifts. And to each who shines a beacon, there shall be drawn those who are sensitive to that particular light. So the entities come into your life because you speak to them. You shine for them. It is not, and we would never say this, my friends, that you have some power that is divorced from the energy of love, but rather that all dwell in this energy of love. Yet each expresses it in a unique way. Th this is this is uh, this I puts like in this a, one. yeah that puts in a better context. So they're telling you, hey, you're unique, you're special, you're an irreplaceable and necessary part of the creation. Um, but at the same time, that confers duties on you, right? You know, it's uh, what Ra would call an honor slash duty, right? Hmm. Um, so there's also the duty as seekers to. Uh, work with this and to uh, make sure that we understand what we're bringing to the table and that we understand that what we're bringing to, to the table is not simply a, a quality of personality that we own and can and, and can lay claim to in a singular way. It is a, it is a personality that gives the love of the creator a certain inflection, a certain color, a certain shade. And 
we need to take responsibility for the shading, but we also need to take responsibility for opening up to that love and recognizing where the connection actually arises from, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. arise from us being awesome, even though we are. It arises because we're awesome at traducing the love of the creator. Hmm. And so it's not really about us at all. Interesting. So it I is about us and yet. not about us. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet in my mind. I'm still... <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say I do like the uh, that introduction, or at least the note that uh, you shine a light no one else can because of the colors of your personality, because of your challenges and gifts. And I do enjoy this. And to each who shines a beacon, there shall be drawn those who are sensitive to that particular light. And just the idea that uh, who you are, wh whatever you are, that attracts a certain kind of person, someone who's attracted to who you are. But I like that conceptual of the, the light you shine, the, you know, the colors and... Um, I thought that was a, a very nice metaphor. Well, it makes, or maybe it, it's literally from their perspective. I think it's literally from their perspective, if you ask me. But like the bigger thing is like when we say that you should have confidence in yourself, we are saying that it's because of these reasons, not because of this uh, uh, just hand waving towards everybody being good and equal and pure and mm -hmm. unique, right? Like we all know that. But the question is, why does that matter? It matters when you're growing up because you're trying to discover who you are. But you and I and most of the seekers who would be reading this have had lots of experience coalescing this personality that we project as mm -hmm. a representation of ourselves. And funnily enough, um, the next channel picks up on this theme. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm pretty sure based on the timing and the first initial of the channel that this is Steve Timon. So uh, anyway, okay. uh, so Kuo continues, when you contemplate those conditions which cause you to become concerned about the self, it is useful to consider what the self actually is. For there are many attributes of every self which are in reality a construction made largely of illusions. In many cases, a self is constructed of figments of ideals or stray expectations that an individual has drawn to him or herself from various sources. One hears voices of the parents, voices of one's teachers, voices of one's friends, voices of people one has never met but whom one may idealize in some way, and one feels judged by these voices. One measures oneself against an ideal in relation to which one is found wanting, and as one contemplates this circumstance, one finds that it becomes more and more hopeless that one could ever measure up to the expectations one has built up around oneself. One is one large failed performance. That's a wonderful, it's a wonderful paragraph. It's interesting that uh, Quo is contrasting this, this um, congratulations they gave us in the past <laughs> passage with, hey, and you know what? You guys don't appreciate it at all. You keep thinking that you're screwing up. And that's what you place your, your emphasis on. And what they'll talk about later on is that it's that lack of forgiveness, it's that lack of grace with ourselves that makes it so important to be right or wrong, that makes it so important to have a confidence that exceeds its utility in spiritual evolution, mm -hmm. right? Except to the extent it's catalytic. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I like this idea that it's like at a deeper level we ask who we are, and 
when you maybe perhaps if you do not ask that question deeply or you don't spend much time on it, or, or just even as you are growing up, it is easy to replace that sense of who you are with all of the expectations of what others expect of you or what others believe you are. And, and you judge yourself based on, based on others' expectations and others' relation to you rather than getting to the core of who you are. Um, yeah, that's, well, that's, well, that's the thing is that upon what basis should we put our finger on who we are? How does one go mm-hmm. about doing that in the first place? Uh, when one starts out, one is in, you know, uh, bombarded <laughs> with mm-hmm. others' opinions, others' judgments, others' kind of modes of, of thinking about things. And what else does one have to take on oneself but those Uh, until there's a seeking process that started within and it doesn't have to be spiritual, right? It can, it can, it can have all sorts of characteristics, but, um, Mm -hmm. it is something that you start to take responsibility for. And if you don't take responsibility for it, if you consider yourself to be, uh, in hock to all of these voices that have occurred throughout your life, then how is it possible to have, um, true self-confidence that doesn't go into pride because it's such a defense against the judgments that these voices keep Mm. uh, leveling against you, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, your goal is to maintain a coherent self and you will do it one way or another. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. Even if it tortures yourself, you will still do it because we, we have to. It's part of the mystery of embodiment and incarnation. That we can't be our full selves all the time. We have to construct this yellow ray uh, entity that everybody uh, proxies through. It's like we have to build an avatar in the social media of life, you know? <laughs> yes, you're exactly right. Well, and just think the the way the person you are at work might be slightly different than the person you are with with your wife or your husband, which might, might be different with the person you are with your mom or dad. It's like you're you are you and you're in there, but the way you, the way you present yourself and you act, you, you know, you, there's levels, I think there's just ways that people change just given the, uh, the situation that they're in some more than others. And others are actually quite good at just being the same person. Um, and others are not, others can be very different depending on, uh, you know, who they're with. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to the transcript. So they're talking about one is one large failed performance. Following up on that, uh, they say, in this condition, it is easy to have one's energies wither and recoil. It is easy to feel a loss of connection with those around you. It is easy to feel a loss of connection with the sustaining energy of all that is. And one is utterly alone, thrown back upon resources one can hardly believe. One has to accomplish things of which one is no longer sure. And one has fallen into a condition of being utterly without confidence and without much expectation of living up to the self or the image of self one would like to be. My friends, this is a weighty burden that you need not bear. To be a self is intrinsically no more burdensome than to be a feather borne on the wind, a leaf in the forest, a song in the air. I just want to stop right mid-paragraph. This is what Kuo thinks selfhood is. It's not this construct that we put together from accrued experiences that like constrain and limit us and give us things to push against or give us things on which we stand for them intelligence 
uh, sentience, consciousness is a dance. It's 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 like that trash bag blowing in the wind in American Beauty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 not something that can be ever captured in in a in a in a um in in, in a definitive way, and therefore like. What they're trying to say, I believe, is that you need to have more grace for yourself and that uh, pride is often a, a, a way to prop up this kind of artificiality of self that is necessary mm. in third density, but, but it isn't necessary to be relied on and defended so uh, uh, stridently, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no comment. That's just uh, it's a nice sentence. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, uh, and, and, uh, yeah. So Kuo says, and so we would say to you that the concern which can harden and draw back upon itself, that concern about the sense of unworthiness that is so common among your peoples, the concern that bears harsh judgment against the self and puts the self on notice that great expectations are brought to it and it must perform. All of these are factors which decrease your confidence. All of these are factors which foreshorten your ability to reach out in love to those with whom you would exchange your gifts. The greatest gift you have to give is something which must always remain nameless. It is merely the energy that passes through you. It is merely the love that found its way into you and would find its way out again. This love which comes through you is not something which you can ever own, and therefore it is not something which you can ever do badly. So as long as you keep your eye on highest and best on your highest and best effort to serve, the effort that you do make will be well received, and you will need to have no worry about whether you are worthy. This puts, I think, in a little better focus what I was trying to say before. Um, it's just like this um, Hatan session, this eighty-three Hatan session about communication. I keep referring to throughout this podcast that I will never actually write about. Um, communication is love. Service is love. Even things that are negative are a form of love. All of this is love. And so to the extent that we are bringing that love through, even if we're doing it poorly, we are still serving and we are still doing it in a way that only we can. No matter, even when we measure ourselves against others' examples and find ourselves wanting, even when we let ourselves down, we're still doing those things in only the way that we can. And therefore, we are teaching the creator something it can't learn through any other means. Hmm. I really like that last paragraph or perhaps even that last sentence. Yeah. But the idea... So long as you keep your eye upon your highest and best effort to serve, the effort that you do make will be well received, and you will ha- you you need have no worry about whether you are worthy. And I I just think about all of the people, at one time myself included, that was you know, and I'll just speak in first person when I was worried about my. Mm, what's the word reputation the perception that others had of me the uh, the character that i was playing in other people's lives when that actually concerned me and that was entirely stressful because i did not feel that i was in control of my life i was constantly uh 
my emotions were subject to the whims of others based on whether or not I was fulfilling my role as whatever character I was trying to be because I did not focus on my service to others or my, you know, I just did not focus on doing good work and being there and well, in short, I was always trying to impress others. I mean, if I'm just getting down to the base, the bare bones of it and, uh, but the moment that conceptually it shifts from stopping to try to be something for be something in someone else's mind, but just try to be there to help someone else in in a, in a genuine fashion, it's amazing the the lift, the heaviness that comes off of you when you're not trying to, well, for lack of a better word, pretend. Yep. And I so I like that last sentence. That really just kind of put that, you know, sent that home. Yeah, I, I, I fully uh, sympathize with your experiences. I've had many of them myself. And notice that when we're trying to be, when we're trying to perform for, uh, for we're trying to perform a self for others. The focus is mm-hmm. on what those others think, like you said. Yes. And I therefore- like the way you put that. If I can just interrupt, yeah. when you perform a self for others, all well, right, we always thank you. perform a self for others. Like it's 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 always a performance. Uh, the question is 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 the performance is the love coming through the performance in the mm. best way that it can in the way that you are most purely able to bring it to bear or not? And what we I, what I believe this is my opinion, but what I believe when we when we're measuring ourselves against others' regard, when we're trying to impress other people, when we're trying to like I said perform a particular self, and we're dialing mm-hmm. that self in based on their feedback, right? That's the thing. It's mm-hmm. like instead of dialing the self in on our inner sense of connection, right? That's mm-hmm. the distinction. When we're doing it for another person, then all of the uh, focus is outside the self. It's all out there, and I feel like what we're trying to do is we're trying to get ground under our feet. We know that mm. this self in our deepest in our deepest recesses of mind and heart and spirit, we know this self is fake. Even when it's beautiful and pure, it's still a construct that mm. people see. It's not who we really are. We are therefore very unsure of ourselves on some basic level and reaching out to others to reinforce our self-image, reaching out to others to say, hey, no, you actually exist. This construct that you've created is real because it's real to me. And that's what we want from each other. And honestly, it's, a, it's, it's, it's good to reinforce that self with each other. However, there is what the adept does, what the seeker who is trying to, uh, like they say later, traduce the love of the creator into manifestation. In other words, to be a channel. They're mm-hmm. trying to put the focus within and to take care of those things that uh, present as obstacles, catalyst, uh, self-doubt, all these things, and lovingly work with it. Not so that these things are swept out of the way, but so that the richness of the lesson can be taken into the self. Instead of constantly ejected out of the self and having to be reflected to us in other people's you know, mm-hmm. eventual disappointment in us, since we will disappoint people, it yes. is... Guaranteed, you know? Yeah. That's well, such an important feedback mechanism when you're, when you truly are putting on a performance that is not true to you and you're really just, ju- you're only trying to satisfy, again, the whims of other people. 
you will. You are right. You eventually disappoint everyone. And that is a very important feedback mechanism because you can only take so much of that before you throw in the towel, so to speak. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I'm just, I got to be me because this is ridiculous. Yeah. It wears you down naturally. It wears wears you down naturally. And the other thing is that like, if you're looking to other people to prop you up, then you're not really hearing what they're saying. You're only looking for the thing that props you up. You're not mm. really getting true feedback. You're only getting feedback on that narrow dimension of uh, worry and self-doubt instead mm-hmm. of the full expression of love that they're reflecting back to you. And they might even be channeling their own, uh, the, the creator's love in their own way back to you. And sure. so this is how this, um, the, this communication that partakes of love, that partakes of manifested love within the creation, bouncing around between us and being shared and offered back up to the creator as something changed and different and novel. This is how mm-hmm. it gets muddied up in our own BS. Yeah. And that's part of yeah. experience, but all Kuo is saying from my point of view is that it doesn't have to be that way. There is another way to orient yourself so that this isn't a constant feature of your life. Because mm-hmm. I know it's it's a pretty steady feature of my life. What other people think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is for me too. It is for me too. Though I will say it's um, – I might need time to uh, yeah. sit on that and articulate if it. But you're it's, like me, it's funny. If you're like me, you find ways to, to, to make compromises with yourself where it's like, well, okay, I know that person hates me. I'm just going to move on like, and try to find strength within myself. Like We lop off little edges of this big block of concern mm-hmm. about what other people say. And we slowly work our way through it till at some point, maybe we can see three parts of the block, right? And it's sure. not blocking that love and light anymore. Sure. Well, let's, let's push on. I know there's still plenty to get through. Yep. All right. So they move to another channel. Tonight, you have asked about confidence, pride, Faith. So this is where faith gets introduced, I suppose. Kuo says, we would say that you have almost unknowingly dug deeper into this cavern of truth than you could realize, and that the establishing difference between pride and confidence is faith. Both pride and confidence stem from a degree of self-awareness, an awakening of the self, in realizing that one's actions have an effect on the world. Tonight, this instrument has undergone a teaching exercise in that when she channels, she usually begins receiving concepts in her mind before the circle even begins and she has finished tuning. Tonight, there were no concepts. The blankness of mind remained, and this instrument was faced with a choice. She could have panicked over the thought of having nothing to say. She could have looked to her skills as a channel and all of the power that she possesses and looked to that to guide her through, using her will and intellect to carry herself forth. What the instrument chose to do was to stare into that white nothingness in her mind and say, I have faith. I have faith that all will be provide that all will be as it should be, that I am capable of holding this channel and that all I need will be provided. Let me just say like very, very typical experience of channeling. Mm. (laughs) And it goes, Mm. it does show you that like you're a better channel to, to the degree that you have confidence in your ability to say something that you can't anticipate. Hmm. I know what she's talking about where like your mind starts working through what other channels are saying in the process of a group channeling. Mm-hmm. This doesn't happen the same way when you're the solo instrument. Um, and what I've found is that often um, thoughts will occur to me while other people 
talk that I, if I dismiss the thoughts, if I just focus on keeping the energy moving and not worrying about what I'm going to say later, um, those thoughts often come back up, but they come back up naturally. They don't come up because I'm like, hey, Kuo, you need to, you need to make sure you say this thing that I thought, you know, this Mm -hmm. idea that I had. And it's really, really gratifying when you can just blank your mind out and then you might channel the thought in a way that you didn't even think about, right? But it gave you a starting point. And that's why sure. there's a 70-30 mix between the instrument and the, and the contact. Mm-hmm. Because they need our participation to ground these things in manifestation. Otherwise, you know, I've been, I've been reviewing in some way the history of channeling and trying to ground our working group's channeling in a tradition that goes back 70, 80 years, mm-hmm. right? At least. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, this is always part of what we are trying to talk about with channeling is this idea of standing on your own truth and letting the love shine through you. Mm-hmm. And that is scary because it doesn't partake of this constructed limited self that you have spent a lifetime uh, accruing and building up. As a, as a defense against your own fear that you have nothing to say, you have nothing to offer, that everything that you do is actually a fraud, right? Sure. It's an, but it's an illusion, folks. All of it's a fraud. The question is, is can we find love in it? Right? Yeah. Because that's what we'll take with us. That's, that is what we're going to take with us in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh density is the love that we were able to harvest. And I have some new insight into this based on uh, uh, some of the transcripts from the last channeling intensive, but I don't want to digress on that because I know time is limited. Ha. Put it on the docket. Yeah. At some point, I'd like to have like kind of a, a review of all of the work that we've done, and I, w- I would like to have um, uh, the other members of my circle with me, and hopefully yeah. you. If you can, if you can get some daytime hours for this yeah. sometime, <laughs> I got to put it on the calendar. I have to formally schedule it out. <laughs> so Kuo says, pride is the emotion which occurs when one comes to one's self-awareness out of fear. Pride is looking entirely to one's own basic capabilities, feeling that this individualized self is separate from everyone else, and that what makes one different is what puts one on a level of superior functioning to do a better job. Confidence uses the channel of faith to respond in love. With faith, one realizes that there are no mistakes, that there is a lesson to be learned from every action, and that therefore the fear of falling behind the crowd, of being seen as inferior, is able to be released. When people have confidence and faith in love, they do not fear what others will think of them. They do not fear what bad things may befall any mistakes they make, Because they realize that all is love and that no matter what should happen or what anyone may think or say, all will be well. Opportunities for learning will be provided from anything that goes awry. It is through faith that you may release the fear that keeps you from having self-confidence. With pride, there is a degree of hurt, the need to shield the self. I read this and again, I've brought this up before, but paragraphs like this make me think of some of my Christian friends that have essentially, I shouldn't say given up, but they've released control to God. And they don't stress about, 
all the little things. They don't stress about their success. When they run into challenges, they don't stress. I mean, it's a part of God's plan. What their job is to do is to be that loving person. And when it comes to their careers, they, they know that God has a plan for them. They don't worry about it. it you know, but, they work, but they work hard and they be the best person they're going to be. And there is that. And, and when they do a good job and they get, they get awards or accolades, glory be to God. They don't take credit. They don't take as much credit as perhaps they could, or as perhaps as others could, would, um, because they they've they've submitted, and they live with so much faith, and they're, at least, the friends that I have are incredibly happy, and the things just work out for them. But they have this confidence as well that they know things will be okay, because they're not trying to control everything and they're not trying to own. Every little action, um, they just assume there's a higher power that is that has a plan for them, and they roll with it. This is the weighty burden that Kuo was talking about earlier, of having to be accountable for every facet of every little thing that you do. And therefore, who you are lives or dies based on what you last did. Mm. For your friends who are Christian, uh, and in the best sense, I might say, it seems— um, they, their, their yoke is light because they've taken on Jesus's yoke of giving the praise to the father, of giving yeah. the, the, the credit to the creator. And so the failures are no big deal because it's all part of the creator's learning experience and their own ability to dial in their, uh, instrumentality mm-hmm. to the creator. Yeah, yeah, and I, I certainly know Christians who do not do that. that sure, sure, kind yeah, of no, the no, no, opposite. No. You know, no, people I, are going to be people, but, but yeah, just the the few that come to mind, and they constantly act as that, as that reference of the just the mindset that has value. Yeah, and you know, and um, yeah, paragraphs like this just make me think of them. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, Christianity as an ethos was a very big part of Carla Rueckert's life. And um, it's really, I, I am always thrilled when people can show the example that Jesus set in the lives of people that we encounter. Like, it does mm. happen. It is possible. Uh, organized religion and money haven't ruined everything. It's still mm-hmm. possible to live that life that Jesus that Jesus uh, gave an example of, and I applaud yeah. anybody and I look to their example when they are able to show me how it works. <sighs> okay, so mm-hmm. we're going to skip around again and go directly to another instrument, continuing on this tack. Kuo says, when one has experienced the feelings of confidence in the self and wishes to go forward in service to others fueled by this confidence and by the desire to be truly of service, at some point in this experience, the entity may become concerned that the growth of pride may usurp, shall we say, some of the sparkle from the joy of serving. It is the conscientious seeker of truth that guards the self from such experiences of the overweening pride by remembering that all is indeed one and that the individual self that the seeker is is not alone responsible for the energies of love and light which move through his being. Each seeker is a vessel, a channel, a conduit, an instrument which may be utilized by the creative power of love, the logos, the creator, shall we say. 
When the individualized seeker becomes so impressed with its own service, feeling itself to be source of such, then there are indeed the hallmarks of pride. As each remembers that the creator's love and light moves all that there is, then the self is seen in perspective as equal to, yet no better than, any other. Then pride falls away. Each of you is most desirous, we are aware, of being of service to others in those ways which have been given to you, and which you have through your own efforts discovered in your pattern of this incarnation. We applaud your great desire to be of service, and yet your caution that your service be pure. We can assure you, my friends, that each will be tempted to puff up the self with that which you call pride. That is yet another experience which may teach, and which is a reminder to the cautious and selfless seeker, that the steps may be placed carefully, conscientiously, and with the intention to serve. What more can you do, my friends, than to give that effort which is the best that you have? Each so gives. Um, there's, a, there's a transition to, to back to Carla as instrument. But I think this is a great example of why pride works, or how pride works specifically with seekers. Because we are trying to make that example that we were just talking about. And should we be proud when we are able to give, make the example? And should we be dejected when we're unable to? Is is the mm. question I see here. Mm. I'm thinking right now of a business book that I'm reading. And the author is trying to stress the importance of recognizing luck in, in your success. And this is something I've I've struggled with because I, I firmly believe in that that old saying that the harder I work, the luckier I get, because yeah. there are some people that say, oh, everything is luck. And I, I certainly disagree with that. But I do think there's a truth to that message of recognizing. It's not recognizing your luck. It's gaining. It's getting control on your pride. Yeah. As we read this, that is that is becoming clear to me. Yes, you can work hard. Yes, you can build success. You can earn a lot of money um, and you can. You can tell yourself that you did all of that all by yourself. Or you can tell yourself that you are so fortunate <laughs> that you were able to build what you've built with the help, you know, by, by working with others. And there's an important um, recognition of that pridefulness in, in one, one side of that question. You know, in, oh, what am I trying to say? You can be prideful or you can choose to be humble. And uh, this this session is is hitting that hitting that home for me. Absolutely, uh, I for me it's uh, it's really about this kind of maintenance you need to do on your own seeking, because in order for you to act meaningfully and purposefully, you have to have some goal, you have to have something that you're trying to do, and yet we're instructed. We are encouraged not to uh, cling to any outer things for uh, – for, 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 uh, huh, I'm not saying it right. Expectations, setting expectations, mm -hmm. um, and then being disappointed when those expectations don't obtain and being gratified and proud of ourselves when they do. Um, mm -hmm. It seems to me that like if – one can have a balanced appraisal of what one has done. There are plenty of things to look at that one did wrong. And there are oh, plenty yeah. of things to look at that one did right. 
And so the question is, do you want to take the responsibility for every right thing and, and, and try to get rid of all the responsibility of doing every wrong thing? Or would you like the creator to take some of the credit for that? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like uh, selling your lottery ticket to get a lump sum rather than the monthly payments, right? Like really at the end of the day, what I need right now is to ground my beingness in the creator. I don't need to be good or bad, right or wrong. Actually, I would point the listener to a lot of Buddhist work that talks about the eight worldly concerns with praise and blame being one of those concerns. Uh, This Hmm. is a common pattern we go through, Um, either trying to get all the praise and trying to uh, extricate all the blame and put it on other people. This is a way that we like try to seat ourselves in an illusion in order to get ground under our feet, but it's not there. It's all an illusion. And so you don't need to take this heavy responsibility uh, for every single thing. What you need to do is take responsibility for how you regard your own resources, for how you produce your own the, the light that, and love that comes through you, and listen to what people are telling you instead of listening for what you want to hear. Hmm. Hmm. This is a whole. I feel like this is a whole other episode. Yeah. Diving diving into the. Uh not just pride, but just the idea of releasing control, you know, releasing that feeling of having to have a grip on everything and, and owning the outcome of everything and, and being high strung in that manner rather than letting it flow and realizing, yeah, this is, this is, this is the illusion. This is the the school that we're all going through. And some of these lessons are set up (laughs) for us beforehand. And, uh, you know, some things are out of our control. Yeah. And, and, and also it's the control thing. I totally agree with that. Um, but it's also like, like for example, um, with our channeling, it's easy even among the instruments to slip into a way of talking about it that talks about whether we did a good job or not. Right. Did, 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 did Claire do a good job? Did, uh, did Steve do a good job? Did Jeremy do a good job? And the, the bottom line is that, like, the only job that we have to do is to get out of the way of Kuo. All credit goes to Kuo at that point. All blame goes to Kuo at that point. Um, our job is to be instruments, and our job in life is to be instruments. And this is what is so confounding. The self is an instrument, but the self is also an actor. So what does it mean? Like, imagine having a trumpet, because I used to play trumpet. Like a trumpet that decides on its own terms how to process you buzzing your lips and in the mouthpiece, right? Like hmm. in in our world, the decision that the instrument of the trumpet makes is by keeping its integrity and its properties as a brass instrument, right? And so mm-hmm. the way that it's shaped, the materials involved, give it a resonance, give it a vibration. And it doesn't really have a terrible amount of control over those characteristics. The interesting thing, the thing that I really think about a lot is how unique third density is, because it is, a, is an instance in which we have to act in order to be instruments. We have to make choices in order to be instruments. We Mm. have to get involved and in the way. There doesn't seem to be any way to be a self that doesn't in some way mediate this love and light from the creator. That's so interesting. It is. Because a tree is a tree. 
Right. A wolf is a wolf. They're going to do, they're going to be what they are. There's no choice there. They serve as they are meant to serve. But humans, ha, hmm, that's a tough one. We recognize, <laughs> our, right. we recognize ourselves in the mirror. And so mm-hmm. that gives us all sorts of stuff to fixate on, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, and that's um, I think, the capacity that we are learning, that we are going to bring into higher densities, is this ability to both bring through something that isn't us, but also to discipline ourselves to get as little in the way as, as possible, but to also bring to bear what we can contribute to the situation that only we can contribute. Um, how do you do that without getting puffed up in pride? Mm-hmm. But how also do you do that in a way that recognizes what your duty is and only does that, nothing more? It's a balancing act, and there's no one rule to follow, which is why it takes something like an entire incarnation or a series of incarnations over 75,000 years to figure it the F out, right? Yeah, or more. <laughs> or more, yeah. <laughs> or more. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, not, let's not go down the depressing route. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great point. Yeah. And so uh, it's, it, it is always for us as channels – uh, very important for us to balance our pride in the product that we were involved in bringing through with uh, the lack of credit that we can possibly take for it. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's, I think it's uh, what I'm trying to say is that I think that's part and parcel with being an instrument in third density to begin with. Since my contention is that the Confederation says we're always channeling. And that vocal channeling is just a particular quality of what's always going on in consciousness and manifestation. That was a revolutionary idea that I heard from you, Jeremy. And uh, every time I'm reminded of it, something just tickles. I don't know. That's the best way of putting it. It's just that res- that idea resonates that we are we can always choose to channel. You can shut it off, but that might be that might be harder. In the long term, uh, but when yeah, if you just just conceptualizing that that we can always be channeling that love and light, it's to me that's just a very powerful idea. It's not my idea; it was passed on to me by my teachers. That it was passed on to them by their teachers, and like frankly, Jesus talked about this. And if you if you read him from a certain point of view, so what I'm trying to say is that this is part of a tradition of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And regarding uh, our experiences as humans. And um, part of what the working group is about is about opening this tradition up and not making about a particular organization or a particular channel who's a star, but trying to build a community and a tradition around this that everybody can participate in. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> That's Man, a digression. Uh, getting back to Kuo, because I think we actually don't have that much more to go. I think we were worried, but we might get done in an hour or so. Wow. Anyway. Record. Kuo says, to be proud is part of the 360-degree circle of being that each of you possesses. If all is one, my friends, are you not all things? Are you not all emotions and feelings? To experience pride is to experience being human. Your situation of being a human being on planet Earth in third density is an incredible gift and a great challenge. 
It is an incredible gift because you hold that unique position in two worlds, the inner world of concept and consciousness and the outer world of thought and words and mind. You have the capacity and the mission of bringing into a limited and finite experience in your everyday world, the aura of the infinite, the essence of the eternal, the power of a new paradigm. As you allow the love and the light of the infinite creator to flow through you into your open heart and with your blessing out into the world around you, you fulfill your greatest service and create for yourself the arena for your most substantial learning. To be proud of that can be perceived to be an error. Yet when a season of pride is upon you, we do not call it a mistake. We call it a distraction. For it is only those with limited views that measure success and failure by what they have manifested. Eventually, as you persist in seeking the heart of truth, it will become more and more clear to you that pridefulness has no resources to give you, and you will not find it so irresistible. You will see more and more that for every trick you can do, there is another trick that you cannot. This is great. This is what we were talking about, about being burned out by, by, by pride, though, right? Yeah. Burned yeah. out by this need to account to everybody for their perceptions of you. Um, you learn that it's a false friend. It doesn't really give you the ground under your feet that you are looking for. And therefore, more and more, you can let it go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is something that um, Kuo talked about in uh, a session at the second intensive on the transformation of mind. They put a lot of emphasis on transformation, not simply being attaining a new form, attaining a new configuration of energy and consciousness. It's also about letting things go. You have to let things go that you clung to before in order to be able to cleave to something new. And so what you are as you take on and give away these aspects that you thought were yourself, this is transformation. This is becoming new selves while still being a consciousness that is irreplaceable and unique. Mm -hmm. No comment. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's, I'm just nodding my head. <laughs> then, then, you, then we'll move forward. Uh, Kuo says, and you will see that the other self that can do that trick and you together are collaborators in creating the dance of oneness in which all have a just part. Oh, I wish I had tacked that on to the end instead of, Making it a That's different, okay. it was just, a, it was an instrument transition. So the, mm. uh, the, the concept was uh, uh, bifurcated, but I, I like this. Um, I really want to say that once you recognize that there's not a competition between you doing being all good and others being all bad, or you being all bad and others being all good, that everybody brings something to the stew, right? Mm -hmm. Then yeah. once you recognize that it's not, in other words, that it's not all about you. <laughs> it's just not. It's about something greater that all of us are participating in. And there's a greater self that we can draw upon. That is that, that, that collaboration between all of us. Then uh, your burden becomes light. And you can, you can share credit. You can share blame. And it doesn't have to be a big deal that uh, singles you out. As the sole person in the world who F's up, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, uh, Kuo continues. This instrument has a phrase in her mind, which is to, quote, get over the self. Get over yourself, she will say to herself. And it is well to get over oneself, because focus on the self is a distraction, like many others. 
In fact, we would suggest to you, my friends, that a lack of self-confidence, a low feeling of self-worth, is a distraction. You did not come here simply to be distracted. There is that in you that craves and hungers for the accomplishment of the service you came to offer. Let your trust be in that hunger and that thirst. You cannot be better than anyone else or less worthy than anyone else because you are unique. You have no one to whom to compare yourself. You stand not alone, but in a rich tapestry of color, texture, and movement. The color of your ideas, the texture of your emotions, the energy of your skills and challenges. You entered incarnation in this place at this time, both to learn and to serve. You shall learn and you shall serve. This is not an issue between us. You cannot help but learn. Evolution is an inevitable thing. Your choice is to accelerate the pace of your evolution or to allow it to wheel on without thought. This is the crowning paragraph for me because it, I think the key thing for seekers, let your trust be in that hunger and that thirst. We have a desire deep within us to reunite with the creator. And we have been put in this place of an illusory setting with a trajectory through an evolutionary path of transformations that take us through the densities, from unity, through all these different modes of consciousness, and back to unity. All we have to do is cooperate with that inner desire. That's all that we have to do to, to, to let that desire motivate us, that hunger, that thirst. That's what's going to, that is what we are. That's what we really are, is the love that's pushing us through all of this. And your choice is to accelerate it or to uh, let it just go on its own without really like thinking about it. And there's a choice that they didn't talk about, which is the choice to slow down. And my interpretation of that choice to slow down is that that is associated with the service to self-pull. Mm. Mm. But that's just my interpretation. Don't take, don't take that as Kuo's words. Ta taking it as truth. Hell yeah. Taking All it right. as truth. <laughs> but I like this. Uh, you don't have anybody to compare yourself to. You're unique. The idea that you yeah. can that there's an apples to apples comparison with anybody else is wrong. That's why I like that saying to not compare yourself to others today, but to who you were yesterday. Bingo. If you're going to compare anything. Bingo. Um, but that yeah. that means that we have to know who we are. We have to have a, a working definition of the self that's useful. And so few of us on planet Earth really spend time on that. And so that's where meditation and contemplation and balancing come in. They're ways of getting more familiar, of more friendly with yourself so that you have something to look at other than everybody else presenting what seems to be a together self. All of them have their own problems too. That is another reason why it's all unique, all those problems, all those flaws, all of those distortions. Because they're unique, they're not comparable to yours. Mm -hmm. All you have is to deal with and to judge for the self is the self. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's hard to argue with this stuff, right? Yes. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> yep. Quote continues. When the temptation comes upon you, my friends, to feel unworthy, remember the saying that this instrument has heard, trust in Allah, but tie up your camel. 
Have faith that you can come into this incarnation with a plan for service and that it is worthy. It may be that your service is simply to be a channel for the love and light of the infinite one. It may be that there is some outer portion to that service, something that manifests in everyday life. There are as many kinds of service as there are unique beings in incarnation. Consequently, when you decide that you wish to take up a service that has an outer manifestation as part of it, do not take it up with one eye on the service and one eye on your own performance. Take it up and do not look at yourself with judging eyes, neither look at yourself with an applauding gaze. Look at yourself and each day as you rise, set your intention anew to be of service and then enter into that which needs to be done with everything that you have. This is, this is uh, what I'd like to point out here is the idea of it, what they're talking about here sounds so much like playing music improvisationally. Hmm. If you start worrying about the mistakes you made or, hey, did I get that right while you're in the middle of performance? That's hmm. going to detract, distract you from what you need to do right in this moment. It's gone. What you already yeah. did is gone. And the audience really isn't thinking about it too much. They're thinking about what you're doing right now. They mm -hmm. want to be in the flow and your ability to perform requires you to be in the flow. That's how I see them describing service. Is that kind of how you see it too? Yes. I actually don't, think that's Don't you fantastic... want to agree with me? Don't you want to agree with me, Ryan? <laughs> Boy, that's a leading question, Jen. <laughs> it was a leading question. That is question. actually a Look fantastic... how manipulative I can be. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great analogy. Absolutely great analogy. And for anyone who has played something live or performed anything live, they'll be able to relate. Um, but that principle holds true with your performance at work. You yep. know, are you going to stress about that one thing you did last month or are you just going to keep pushing and doing the best that you can and be in the moment, you know? Yeah. So that's a great analogy. Yeah. And I, there's only one other thing I want to put an emphasis on in that. Um, they say, look at your service and each day as you rise, set your intention anew to be of service. And here's the key. And then enter into that which needs to be done with everything you have. Uh, to me, this is, this is something that I struggle with, is investing yourself fully into this service and giving your all to it. Sometimes I do it, but sometimes eh, I don't give it everything that I have. I recognize the rightness of my place. I recognize the service to be done. Sometimes I even recognize the loving nature the, 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 the mediating nature of that service as uh, channeling the creator into manifestation. But do I give it everything I have? The Buddhists talk about um, exertion as a virtue, right? That, you, that by throwing yourself and giving all to uh, your actions, you both uh, learn the most and serve the most, mm -hmm. even when it goes awry, even when it fails. You still learn more because you committed yourself completely to it. And if you don't commit yourself completely, then you're kind of left thinking, well, maybe it was a problem with the thing I did and not with what I brought to the table to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nodding again. <laughs> I'm so glad <laughs> to have your commentary involved. <laughs> no, if you, were, if you weren't on this call, like uh, you, there, it, it, it would just be the weirdo Jeremy going off. So I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. The weirdo Jeremy. Kuo continues. If you hear a voice that says you will fail, identify it. It is not you. It is not your higher self. It is most likely one of or both of your parents. <laughs> 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 or or that panoply of other characters that littered your childhood so richly 
Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Quo. <laughs> yeah, but that's a great line. I don't know. I think that maybe was a little bit of Carla coming through. <laughs> I don't feel. I don't hear my parents' voice much. I hear my wife's voice, but that's just oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too far. Uh, so continuing, do your homework. If there are logical arrangements to be made, see to them. Use your intellect. Use your powers of analysis and deduction. Let that workhorse, your mind, do its job. But do not let it judge for you. For you are about the creator's business. Persist, not judging yourself, not patting yourself on the back, but remaining focused on your service. And let all of the love that is flowing through you surround that hope for service. I, I, I like the emphasis here on the present moment. When you focus on yourself, what you're often doing is you're focusing on things that you did in the past is what mm -hmm. kind of like stood out to me in reading this. So like if you're focused on the moment, you can't worry about that, uh, that wrong chord that you played uh, last measure. You have to just keep moving forward on this one. And this is, and it's in the present moment that you can actually make the adjustments. Mm -hmm. In the past, you can't make the adjustments. No. You cannot. And it's also, and, and I think it's equally important to call out, patting yourself on the back doesn't do any good either. It's, it's almost the same thing, right? Oh, I really nailed that solo uh, two uh, phrases ago. Well, dude, we're not there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So it can't help you except as a very, very coarse way of bringing something different to the present moment. And you can get there just by opening up to what's present. You mm -hmm. don't need all of this, especially like the thing is in the moment, you can only do what's before you. There are times in the Confederation definitely calls us out that we should reflect on the past, but that's a special setting when we've made time for that. And we're mm -hmm. willing to ground ourselves on the creator through meditation and contemplation. It's not for the moment in the moment is the moment is for service. And throwing yourself completely into it. And you sort it out later. That's kind of how I see it. Okay. Yeah. Nods head. Yeah. Above all, my friends, remember that in the metaphysical sense, manifestation barely registers on the instruments that measure spiritual service as you keep your heart open and every nerve keyed to do that service, to be that service that you hope to do and to be. That focus, that clarity of intent is everything. The world may judge you to be a success. It may judge you to be a failure. You know that you are simply attempting to be of service this moment and every moment. Take heart, my friends. One's perception of life tends to be somewhat of a muddle. One's actual received experience, on the other hand, is a marvel of assimilation and integration. Catalyst turned into wisdom. Suffering turned into love. And that's pretty much it, folks. That is the reading that we didn't think we could get through. Yeah, I love one of these last lines. The world may judge you to be a success. It may judge you to be a failure. You know that you are simply attempting to be of service. That's great. It's like you're not playing the game. You know, you're not playing that game of winning or losing. You're just the, playing the game of being and being to the best of your ability. Yeah, it's like you don't even have time for that kind mm -hmm. of judgment. Like it's because there's a present moment right in front of you. Why are you worried about that other stuff? Mm. Um, 
And it's about intention. This is why I think they said earlier, you're setting your intention explicitly and you're doing it every day mm-hmm. because you are bringing that meditative, contemplative, present moment directed consciousness. You're trying to bring that into your life. And um, there's just some little things that uh, Kuo said that I think are interesting. Uh, in a metaf- in the metaphysical sense, manifestation barely registers on the instruments that measure spiritual service as you keep your heart open and every nerve keyed to do that service. Are they saying there that the more that we are about a focused, present expression of service, the less that we even care about what happens? <laughs> like, hmm. is that what they mean by manifestation barely <laughs> registers on the instruments? Read it one more time. Yeah, it's more slowlier. It's (laughs) slowlier. Above all, my friends, remember that in the metaphysical sense, manifestation barely registers on the instruments that measure spiritual service. Manifestation barely registers on the instrument. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Do they mean mean instruments as us, or are they talking about some other instrument that measures spiritual service? I think it's a metaphorical. Yeah, I think it's just uh, metaphorical. But it's interesting. It maybe it goes back to that that lesson that um, the output matters less than the intention, or the the manifestation matters less than the intention. They are so focused on their solo in the moment that. Barely occurs to them to think about whether they messed up or not in the past. That's kind of how I'm starting to read it. Mm. Yeah. Because you're focused on keeping your heart open. You're not focused on judging the output, like you said. Mm-mm. There's no. a task to be done. It's, I'm, yeah. I just keep thinking of, of, of just being. Just being being to the best of your ability that yeah. open channel of love to others and this you could tie in so many other ideas of of uh, for example being what someone else needs in that moment and not being what you think that person needs in the moment you know i mean there's there's so many other confederation lessons or ideas that kind of feed into this core concept of always being a channel for the love yeah. light and, and I think one aspect of this that just occurred to me is that what they're saying is that manifestation, the, the phenomenal world that we occupy, will not reflect accurately and completely that love that you put into it. Like, it's not designed to do that. Um, in fact, if I, if, if, if I could uh, indulge my ontological views, it's kind of designed to obscure that in the illusion. So mm. we shouldn't be looking to it as a gauge of our service. We can't look to it as a gauge of our service because we're kind of shining a light into a vast void. And what comes back to us is very, uh, is very murky and occluded. And that's, and that's how they talk about um, perception later on. Take heart, my mm-hmm. friends. Kuo says, one's perception of life tends to be somewhat of a muddle. So there is nothing in the life itself out there that can be trusted completely. The only thing that can really be trusted is your inner sense of truth. And only you know how confident yeah. you are in that. Only you know how uh, uh, self-doubting you are in that area. Yeah. Well, what else are you supposed to use? You nothing. Know? And I know, and I know you're 
one's inner sense of truth can be shaped by others. But when it comes down to it, it's really shaped by your own experience. And yeah, what else do you have to go on? If you go on someone else's, then you're just, you're faking it. You're not, you're not being you. You're doing yeah. your, you might be faking it till you're making it, so to speak. Yeah. But, but that's not, but that's not you. So yeah, there's, you, you only have one internal compass, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you got to roll with it. Maybe that's, that's the direction life is pushing you to learn the lessons you need to learn. Like Kuo said earlier, what more can you do, my friends? And like Kuo says in this last sentence, one's actual received experience, on the other hand, is a marvel of assimilation and integration. Mm. The experience that we get is the coalesced result of how we chose and how we process catalyst and how we uh, traduce that light. It's catalyst turned into wisdom, suffering turned into love. But in the moment, we can't know it. Only in the only in the overview, only after the fact, uh, looking at it squarely and soberly in a meditative, connected to the creator mode of consciousness, can we really see what it was that uh, that occurred that mm-hmm. was of value? Mm-hmm. And that stuff of value is intangible. It's affect. It's 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 high concepts that we give that we lift up to the creator. We say, here is the fruit of what you invested in. Here is the result. Here is the return on investment. <laughs> right? I like that. The I ROI. That. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about ROI. <laughs> and it's and, and this is this is what I this is actually how I uh, approach the Lord's prayer when they say for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. What I when I am thinking when I say that in my tuning, what I'm thinking is in anything that I get out of life, any credit, any blame, Anything that happens to me, it is all for you. It is not for me to decide whether that's good or bad and that I should change based on what the world's telling me. It's for you to experience yourself, dear creator, Mm -hmm. in a way that only I could provide to you. So I am providing it to you. I am lifting it up to you. Yes. On that note, what a great topic and what a great Uh, conversation. It's so nice that we can find novel things to talk about after all of these 38 episodes of this podcast have been going on for nearly two years now. I That's right. That's right. Eh, more it's, like a year and a half. Yes, because Living Love Light, that that production is coming up on its two-year anniversary. Actually, I just yeah. got a, a notification from YouTube that I set up that channel two years ago, but I don't, but I think uh, it's just wild. Time flies, but I don't think we'll ever exhaust... You know, I mean, Lord, I mean, LL Research is still putting out channeling sessions on with, with, with new, with new perspectives. The, your group is putting out, you know, content with new perspectives. It's like, you could go on forever. As Ra would say, is there any end to yourself? You know? Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, uh, if the, if the, if the listener is careful, they'll notice that, uh, the sessions that we put in focus tend to go up. They don't. We don't usually tend to go backwards in time. We tend to go upwards, and that tracks with my reading. I take notes on all the stuff I read every morning, and I single out things that I think would be good fodder for our conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, at a certain point, I'm going to get to the end of the of the archive. I am calling Carla's last channeling as the end of my archive read through, mm-hmm. and um. 
I'm going to go back to the beginning. And what I'm hoping, Ryan, is that we can start to put into focus some of these earlier transcripts from the 70s and 80s. And I, what I'd like to do is, you know, we originally conceived of this podcast as being a companion to Living Love and Light. Mm. I would love to be able to have conversations that put the listener directly in the same time frame as where you're at in your read through. And really start to get clear, not simply on what the Confederation philosophy is, but how its expression has altered itself. I would love mm. to go back to the Circle R material. I would even love at some point to talk about Mark Probert, the Brown Notebook, mm. and Walt Rogers, yeah. Hal Price and the Detroit group. There is a rich tradition here. It's not all about LL research. It's certainly not all about my group. Um, and I would like to look at different ways that this philosophy has been expressed. Definitely. Definitely. All right, it's happening. All right, we got. We, it, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where we're at in another thirty-eight episodes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for real, it might get crazy. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Well, this has been a fantastic uh, uh, reconnection with you. Um, I am I uh, grateful to the listener for being patient. We seem to have these like two-month breaks every once in a while. And if we are diligent about editing this, this will come out on October 30th, which is literally two months from the last time we did our podcast. And the last time we had a break, it was literally exactly two months. So mm -hmm. I see that these breaks are necessary and it's, there's a periodicity to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been a joy. It's been a joy. I only want you, I, Brian, I only want you when you're firing on all cylinders and ready to go. And we all have, we all have life events and things going on. Uh, so, uh, no, it's, uh, I, I just want to thank the listener for being patient with us. Um, we're not a product that comes out on a regular schedule. This is, this is, this is a, a relationship that we have turned into a podcast and it has, mm -hmm. you know, it has its uh, ups and downs, uh, with life and all that. So thank you for hang hanging on listeners. Um, if you have any, uh, suggestions, comments, feedback, go to inaudible.show and you can share that with us. Um, we would love to hear from you, Ryan. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Jeremy. And in the meantime, stay in the love and light. <laughs>